CBS Monday. NCIS! Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent Island, we got here. Walking to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii, Monday, starting at 9, 8 central, on CBS, and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza, making the audience at home upset by calling a timeout. Going to pause basketball conversation. Moving into a little bit at the end, maybe. Talk a little bit about football. Still off in the distance. Spring practice start date for West Virginia. Kansas and Houston. Um, current Big 12 team, pending Big 12 team. They start early next week. Before you know it, Chris Anderson, it will be March 21st. West Virginia starts. 15 spring practices stretched out until the spring game on April 22nd. It's amazing how they do that. But February ends, which means some, I don't know, roadblocks and prohibitions are lifted. And March is going to be a busy month. So we kind of figured, well, we had a chance to catch our breath here. Let's kind of fill in the blanks a little bit about what's happened for football, what hasn't happened for football, why that is for both of them, and also kind of look ahead to what seems like a pretty important month in, you know, I don't want to say the offseason is never-ending because we're talking about how things are in a pause, but the offseason is kind of never-ending, and it does rev up again in March. Yeah, there used to be a time where we would do signing day, and right afterwards, I would more or less have to kind of hop on the board, and I'd say, you know, thank, you know, thank everybody for another big year, kind of recap what's going on with the site. And say, but don't, you know, don't just disappear because things are going to continue to happen. And, and that's back then it was true. And now it's even more true. And, and you know, things are really like even with February being a quote unquote dead period now with recruiting, which changed. I think last year was the first year of that um, there was still obviously stuff going on. People enrolling uh, beginning of the month was was the second signing day. Still some transfer talk. Um, coaches are still extending a lot of new offers, but. Things are going to go to another level next week. Um, March 1st, which is Wednesday, I believe, mm-hmm. starts the the new open period. Um, the, excuse me, quiet period, which isn't quiet. Uh, that, a lot, that means, quiet period means kids can visit schools and coaches and watch practice and go to junior days and go on official visits and unofficial visits. Or excuse me, uh, well... Transfers can go on official visits. Regular recruits cannot at this time. But coaches just can't go see them at their school. So that's okay because the biggest the biggest visits, the most important visits, are those kids coming to school, and it's going to rev up in a big way. And, and I gave a heads up on this, I think, on the last podcast and on our board. That first – I'm going to put it in air quotes, junior day – of March, right after this be- dead period, these past couple of years since since the February dead period has been instituted, have been extremely important. They are names that you are paying attention to. They are guys who end up in the class or are very, very, very seriously considering West Virginia. And, and some of them are 
huge names. You go back and you look at the last couple of years, like it's Wyatt Milam, it's Rodney Gallagher. Uh, it, it's situations like that where you're like, wow, that guy came as soon as the dead period ended. He's serious about West Virginia and West Virginia is serious about him. So we're going to talk about it here in a minute, but these visits coming up in these next couple of weeks are very important. Even if the, um, the results aren't immediate, if you will. I thought I saw a tweet. I'm trying to find it now as you're talking and I'm taking copious notes because what you say matters, Chris. But I'm trying to scan through Trey Nyer's Twitter. I can't find it. I'm not going to keep that air here, but I'm pretty sure it was his tweet. 30 players in recent classes have day camped or have camped with them at these upcoming camps. Accurate. That's pretty significant, isn't it? I mean, you think about how many players come in a year. It's almost 30 on itself. But to nail down 30 players at this time of year across a couple of years again seems like a small number but that's actually a pretty good number right it is and i'm as as we're talking here i'm gonna try to pull it up but it was like three years ago i think was the first time i did this i did like a an all camp team like from it was like at the end of the summer and it was just you know, 2019 was the first time i did it and it was just who were the best players from all of the camps in the summer these recruiting camps the the um, seven on sevens, the big man camps and the individual camps. And you go through that list and it's just, Hey, there's Caden Prather. Hey, there's Wyatt Milam. Hey, there's, you know, all, all these different guys that end up in the class or end up, you know, with West Virginia in their final two or final three. And it's because they were at the camp and had standouts and that's what made the coaches staff push for them. So yes, the guys that make it up for visits, and especially repeated visits, like it doesn't take a rocket science. Like, pay attention to those guys. I was just about to send a suggestion to Trey, who knows way more about his work than I do. He's a director of recruiting, and I was going to use my bully pulpit here to be like, "Hey, Trey, why don't you pin that tweet so I can find it for fast retrieval?" Guess what, Chris? He pinned the tweet already. Um, <laughs> twenty twenty three football camp announcement: They have signed twenty plus players who have camped in the last three camp cycles. So you're looking about seven plus a year that come from the camp. And again, you're thinking, okay, they're going to get 25 plus people. Well, they are, but how many of them are transfers now? So that 25 has shrunk to like what? Almost half, right? So you're, you're looking like a majority of your high school players are coming from these camps and there's just a small number of them. So pretty important. And then their first one is May 31st. So that's off in the distance. But the point being, you can get on campus once before you get on campus multiple times. So maybe that's what it takes right now too. Uh, can I put you on the spot for a second? The conversations you have with coaches and people in the business and and i have not the same depth that you do relative to this conversation but still um i I look around right now and i wonder how many of these people are scratching their heads thinking about the schedule because how many how many college coaches coordinators even are leaving for the nfl and some of that is they want to be in the nfl sure and some of them came from the nfl and returning and some of them are also like Man, this college schedule calendar is an absolute grind. And if you think about the direction the NFL has gone and the direction the college football has gone, the NFL is kind of really structured and uh, maybe condensed is the right word. But you can you can you can look at a calendar and figure out okay, I am working here, I'm not working here. It's so different in college. It's expansive. They're adding to it. They're creating more opportunities for people to work out, to be evaluated, to practice. More people are allowed to practices now. More people are allowed to do things. It's growing and growing and growing. Does that take a toll on assistant coaches, coordinators, head coaches? I don't know. And is it the, the trend I'm talking about 
can that be reversed? Can that be shaped at all to maybe stem this a little bit? Because, for example, the transfer portal bookends, those are dates on a calendar that maybe confines things, their structure. But how much work goes into, like right now, getting ready for that? Like it's created these two dates now that didn't exist that long ago. And now you have to be super prepared for it. And you're doing all your homework right now. So when the gates do open, it's like Black Friday. You can be in the store and go get that plasma TV right away because you're ready to go. It makes this quote-unquote downtime hardly that. Yes, it's real. No, I don't really see how it's going to change because I think you can keep putting these windows on things. You can keep putting these deadlines and these quiet periods and these dead periods. And things still happen. There are still there are still things that these assistant coaches have to do in order to be good at their jobs. Um, looking at it, the, the different ways, like, like player acquisition, let's phrase it that way in the NFL, these position coaches and these coordinators, they get like somebody else does all this, a lot of the scouting for them. 90% of the scouting. I mean, you, you see it, Mike, you know, when you're in the press box and you look at the, the seating chart and it's like, you know, Hey, Mike from Ear Sports and, and CBS, you're sitting over here and, you know, in seat 26 or whatever, there's a scout from the Giants. There's a scout from the Jets. There's a scout from the Falcons, whatever. And then they take those reports, give them to the assistant coach. Then when it comes time to actually, so, you know, then you have your board. So your board is essentially made for you, which you can argue in part is done as well at college with, with guys like Trey and different recruiting coordinators and director of player personnel and all these different positions they have now, but it still very much involves these assistant coaches. So right off the bat, before you're even attempting to acquire somebody, the assistant coaches are involved, more involved in college than they are in the NFL. Then through the act of actually acquiring the player in the NFL, like the defensive line coach would be like, yeah, I want that. I want, oh, John Smith over there. And then he just turns it over to, the, G- the general manager of the team, the guys who are going to sign the contracts, the general manager, the owner, all those guys are going to figure out the money and that's it. And it's a contract. Meanwhile, college the defensive line coaches, if AJ Jackson wants somebody, he has to travel and go see him in person three, four five times. He has to go meet his parents. He has to go and make sure that, you know, the graphics guys are sending him stuff. He has to call him three, four five times a week just to make sure he's staying in contact if he really wants a guy. And he he has to personally make the pitch to the player to get him to come to the school. So, again, more work at the college level. And then retention, you jump there. NFL, you got a contract. Now, obviously, we see guys get out of contracts for all sorts of different reasons, but for the most part, or you can't do much as an assistant coach to retain a player other than, playing him or helping him get better. You're not sitting here trying to argue, Hey, it's better here than somewhere else. You have a contract, but like, Hey man, you got three years and $40 million. And you're sticking around in college. AJ Jackson then has to, I'm just using coach Jackson here just because I said defensive line coach has to then retain these players constantly, constantly. Like this is the dead period here in February, but you know, when it's most miserable as a college football player, Mike? Honestly, Chris, like I'm listening to this explanation not in my head a little bit. I can't possibly answer that question because it's it's one out of 12, right? Yeah, I think it's now. Like yeah. if you're a college football player, like, you know, you get in the summer and it's summer. Like, yes, you're working out, but you're kind of working out a lot on your own schedule. 
you don't have as much class. You're hanging with your friends. It's great. Uh, and then you get into fall camp. You're revving up for the season. Then you have the season. And in spring, like from March to, to May, you're you're going through practice. You're having spring game stuff. You're fighting for positions. But January and February, like, you know, the, the strength coach, like Mike Joseph will tell you, this is when champions are made. This is when good teams, good players are made. It's miserable. Like that, that, that's, that is when championships are made, but it's miserable. All you're doing is working out. All you're doing is killing your body to make it better with no immediate returns to show for it. So yes, it's a dead period. And AJ Jackson is, is, you know, for again, for instance, for example, he doesn't have to be out on the road recruiting players, but he also has to kind of be like touching base with the guys already on the team being like, Hey, I know now sucks. I know it does, but I need you here. Don't think about anywhere else. Don't think about quitting. Don't think about transferring. Stay here. So yeah, being a college coach is a lot more work, I think, than an NFL coach. And I'm I'm sure there's some NFL people that'll listen to this and let me know I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Yeah, I welcome the feedback. I have a friend who works in a college basketball office and he a power five. Uh, yeah, power five. Um and was telling me about something I had to do in the offseason and spent a lot of time trying to get a player to transfer and was talking to the family, NIL, education, all that stuff, doing all the work and felt really good. And the player picked another school. And he's like, yeah, that happens. I said, like, what happened? He goes, well, it turns out that I was talking to the wrong people because the mom and dad are involved, but it was the AAU coach that was like the most influential and felt a little bit jilted because he hadn't been brought in as much as the mom and dad had into the plan, the NIL, the playing time, so on and so forth. Now, different sport, I guess, but the exact same thing happens in football, I'm sure. Where Everything you just mentioned, all the work that goes in, you make one slight miscalculation, and it's a huge miscalculation too. Um, let's go to spring football. What do you think about the timing here? It's late March, so the weather better than it would be right now. Some schools can start practice now or practice now. Um, not necessarily good at West Virginia, but – I'm looking at some other spring dates here, like spring games, really like regionally, nobody that would be, I, I'm going to have a hard time sorting this, but I don't know. Th there's going to be people who overlap, but if you're trying to get visitors on campus, if you're trying to have a big old day on April 22nd, their spring game, um, you know, Colorado, Nebraska, Baylor, schools like that. Okay. Like the footprints don't really overlap there. So it seems like it's a good date, but um, any rhyme or reason to their start date, end date, you think? I'm looking at it. It doesn't exactly line up with the evaluation period. Um, again, the, in that's where I was going. Okay. Yeah. So you switch from, you know, the quiet period, which starts March 1st, that allows players to come and visit you, but you can't visit players. The evaluation period begins April 15th and runs through the end of May, except for on Sundays. Um, and that's when the coaches can go visit the players, but that's not as important because you are limited. It's a very convoluted kind of number system here, but you're limited to how many days you can actually have coaches out on the road. And, you know, and again, just a quick example, if you have eight of your assistant coaches out on the road for one day, that counts as eight. And, and you have a certain number of days that you're allowed to be out recruiting. So you can't go out every single day of every single week during that period. So not lining that up, not that big of a deal. What I believe they're lining it up for, and this is different. I think maybe last year they did it too, but it, it's a relatively recent change. Is it starts after spring break for for the university? Right. 
it used to be and it drove me nuts it didn't make any sense to me and for years and years it was this way they would do a week which was that the acclimation right for pads mm -hmm. um can you do you know what it is off the top of your head was it three days or is it on the third day is that a thing in the spring yeah really I think so i know they have uh, the five-day period in the in the summer i wasn't sure of that in the spring but yeah but okay it, but whatever it was, even if even if it's not that, but it would it would be previously a week of practice, and then all of a sudden you're just dead stop, and the kids have spring break, the players have spring break, and they just go off all over the country, even out of the country, and then come back and you have to restart practice, and it's and and in my mind it's like why did you even start in the first place, and and the last couple years at least the last two. Um, it's been different and now it starts after spring break. So you can just get those 15 consecutive practices in a row without interruption. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Yeah, I remember talking to Dana about that before. Dana Holgerson, I call him Dana. And he was telling me that it was good because you can get in two weeks of like knock the rust off three days and then practice for three days, go away, come back, and then repeat things three times. The trouble was that first or second practice after spring break, I'm not sure guys do the whole Panama City and, and Miami and South Beach thing anymore for spring break, but I'm sure they're not at home lifting weights and grinding for a week either. Um, those were kind of rough practices, but they're in better shape now, I'm sure, than even when he was here, just because that winter program takes you in. But you take a week off, you come back and try to go full speed again. That's tough, but maybe they do acclimate a little bit. They come back from the spring break, I think, on the 19th is their, their return date, and then they're practicing the 21st. One, you better be in good shape, I guess, so don't don't get too uh, comfortable at the seafood buffet in Myrtle Beach, but make sure you're ready to go and you come back to practice, and then you're straight through five weeks. Um and you're spread out with three days a week, I think. So a lot of film in between. But yeah, I never understood that pause. And I think you'd rather have it later than sooner. But um, I don't know, that'd be that'd be interesting. Um, I did have a piece of feedback, Chris, on something that we talked about with how they could jumpstart things. We had a podcast a while ago trying to uh, fix the image, the marketing, the presentation of West Virginia sports, spring football, so on and so forth. And someone pointed out to me that, uh, and it's since true, that, he had heard that Marshall and West Virginia were going to both have their spring game on April 22nd. And that person said, why not have a double header neutral site? You know, could it be the Greenbrier again? Maybe, I don't know, but is there some place where they could, you know, one team practices from 10 to noon, one team practices from two to four. And you have like this West Virginia football festival, West Virginia, the state, not the university festival where you get fans from both sides. They don't really share anything in common anymore. They're not in the field together anymore. There's no series. There's no real overlap, but 
the only two programs in the state. Maybe it makes some fans from the other side. I don't know. Maybe it gets some interest in media there. Who knows? They're going to get media matter or what. But for people in Charleston who cover West Virginia and Marshall, that'd be easier than having to pick one or the other, um, put them both together. I don't think that has a chance of ever happening, but that wasn't a bad idea. And, and one, someone listened and was like, hey, I got an idea, Mike. But two, the more I thought about it, we're trying to make this like some some thing and not just the 15 practice. That's not a that's not a terrible idea. There's some logistics involved, but I don't hate it. I think it'd be tough. How, how much like if the Venn diagram of WVU fans and Marshall fans, how, what what's the overlap there? I think there's pockets. I think especially in Charleston, there's there's some. Um, and again, just because they don't play anymore, I don't think there's that that hatred. And they've had such a thin history for so long. Like how many times have they played in recent years? They had that contract that was what seven games, I think. And the yeah. last one was in twenty. God, I don't even know. Which is the point? This isn't an every year thing. And like it's, I don't think it's Pitt, West Virginia, or Penn State, West Virginia. Even Marshall, West Virginia, Marshall's never won. I don't think it's that threatening. Um, I don't know. It might it might just be a fun thing to do. I don't know. It's again, it's. It's not a needle mover, but it might make the spring game a little bit more interesting. Well, you're you're making the argument for a spring scrimmage right here. I was getting to that. Wouldn't that be like maybe a doubleheader is not a great idea. Maybe they can work out together. Maybe in the future when they actually do something smart and let you use one of your 15 practices in the spring to go against somebody, that would be the way to do it. If you have a chance to do that in the state, why not? Yeah, I think it, you you could even – I think there'd even be some strategy to all of this of what you want to make that game. Again, West Virginia Marshall, that'd be a good one. You could try it out, you know, maybe not every year. You don't want to do it every year because then it, no matter what you do, if you do it every year, it'll get stale. So Marshall wants every, you know, four years. So that way everybody who matriculates through uh, gets at least one chance to see that. And then, you know, if you are looking at your schedule and saying, holy cow, all of these conference games are so tough, maybe we don't you know, schedule, say, Penn State and Alabama in the same year, Penn State, Pitt in the same year, Virginia Tech, Penn State in the same year, whatever. Have one of those games, hey, Virginia Tech, Greenbrier, we're in a space, you know, this four-year window between our games here before we try to play a real game again. Let's meet up at uh, the Greenbrier and have a spring scrimmage together and and go that route. Um, I don't know. I got all sorts of thoughts on that, I think, but I think – the spring scrimmage, you've brought it up a lot of times before, and it's always a great idea, and this seems like even more so now. Something else we'll get into later. I mean, that's a whole podcast episode there we can get into, but let's something else we'll get into, and we'll wrap it up here. Spring football coming up. We'll have previews. Uh, I have posed an idea to you that I think you liked, but fantasy draft of our spring football storylines, so on and so forth. Um, on the board, people are talking. On the streets, people are talking. Uh, basketball has kind of stepped back in the corner a little bit, and football is really not going to be welcomed out of the dark into the light right now, I'm sure. But still, it's closer. People are talking about things. Um, the portal will heat up again. You have a staff. You have some some ways to shape the globe a little bit and, and have that thing look a certain way. But there are some obvious talking points about this team. 24-7 did a spring football preview for all the Big 12 teams, actually all the teams in the major conferences. West Virginia's Obvious headline is who will step up a wide receiver. I think we probably would have that one high on our draft boards here. But without giving away your draft picks, Chris, here, as as you start to begin to think about spring football, well, I don't know, what's what's at the top of your mind and, and what's in the recesses of your mind as things we're going to have to pay attention to and things we will soon be paying attention to? Is the answer ever not quarterback right now? 
I mean, that's the A1, right? Yeah. I mean, I think how how are they actually going to split these reps? Is it, it is it, and I think it should be, you know, what 40, 40, 20, like, you know, Green and Marchio, and then 20 for, for Boyle or whoever else needs to get some reps. And the biggest thing for me, and it's something that I've always wondered and watched, is will they decide on a quarterback and go into the summer with a definite quarterback? Um, I think you you want to. I just I'm always hesitant about how much you can learn from spring football when it comes to who your best quarterback is. Yeah, I'd be shocked if they made a decision publicly or privately. I just don't. I mean, never mind privately or publicly. I mean, privately, I'd be surprised decision to share it with the player. Um, Especially with the 15 day transfer window right after spring football. Can't lose one of them. You cannot lose one of them. So you gotta, it would be, I mean, I I mean, it might even be a bad idea unless the one person knows, like if Nico is just Joe Montana out there, um, I don't know, left-handed Joe Montana. I don't know if he's just the guy and it's obvious or if green's the guy and it's obvious and the other one stinks and is like, I can't, I'm not going to win. And that player transfers in which case you're in a bad, bad deal. I don't know. That'd be tricky here. Um, I'm I'm very interested in how they jump. Hold on, left-handed Joe Montana. You couldn't just say Steve Young. Okay, there you go. <laughs> That's better, even better. Okay, I was trying to think of like prominent lefties, but like I kind of have a, I don't know. Left-handed quarterbacks are, are not a thing to me. But anyways, I'll go to the other side of the ball. But the thing I'm starting to think about a little bit, and we had something up online. It was a, a late kick video with Josh Payton. He used some Dennis Dodd data, and I, I since read the story, and it's kind of interesting. But scoring going down in college football to like low numbers for across many, many years, like the lowest in, I forget what it was, six, seven, eight years, uh, average points per game. And I don't know if some of that is because like you've got more teams now and not as good. If it's because of the consolidation of, of talent to offensive teams and some teams are just going to struggle. So you're going to look at like, look at like Georgia Tech. They lose their best offensive player. He goes to Alabama. Georgia Tech's offense suffers. Alabama's offense rises. That's happening everywhere where the best players on middle of the pack teams are going to the best team. So the cream of the crop gets better and the middle of the pack gets worse. I'm curious about that as a trend, but separately, if the defenses are getting better, what does West Virginia do to lower that points per game number? Um, And kind of got on track that a little bit last year. And then perhaps part of the answer to that question for the defense is the offense and controlling the ball and being a little bit more, um, I don't know if conservative is the right word, but patient plotting, uh, pragmatic maybe too, but certainly, the defense needs to affect the game a little bit. Is that being more aggressive in the secondary? Is that being more aggressive with pass rush? Um, I don't know. Um, and maybe you don't get that answer in the spring, but they're going to have to start working on things there. And that might be, you know, who's a bandit? Who's a corner? We'll find out there too. But there's there's a lot to, to plumb on offense and defense. And I don't know, Chris, maybe even special teams too. Hey, save it for the the – you know, special teams pod, Mike, uh, the solo special teams pod, just you, a microphone and what a full list of all the specialists on the team. It's a dark room with a, a projector, um, laser pointer, lots of coffee. Just devouring the tape. We're good. Um, real quick before we wrap it up, I wanted to revisit your point earlier mm-hmm. about, I found that I found the article. About, I know we we just jumped all the way back to recruiting again, but I, I I was able to find the article on the players who ended up coming to camp 
this was from what the 2019 camp circuit and i'm looking at the list of guys who made the all camp team the top performers quarterback garrett green running back second team jalen anderson wide receivers Devell washington reese smith caden prather and on <laughs> down, down the list a little bit yeah a little rough there but andrew wilson lamp who was a wide receiver playing cornerback now tight end victor wickstrom uh offensive tackle wyatt milam and bryce biggs biggs uh walking on with the program he was great i remember that camp yeah and tomas rematch as the backup um i still remember him because he he was confused about some of my questions and at the time that he camped he you know basically told me he was going to be a senior and i was like oh well you know that's a solid like group of five kid and then we find out you know he had just finished his sophomore year and i was like oh 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 god (laughs) you could be really good um and you kind of keep going down the list and you're just seeing guys again that that ended up at west virginia not all of them eventually made big impacts i mean like the cornerbacks uh, David Vincent O'Coley and Jairo Favoris. So, and then safety, St. McLeod. Yeah, may, maybe you shouldn't read off this list because it's basically star crosser there, right? <laughs> yeah. Woof. Rough, rough, rough list. Great, great camp performances. Did sign with West Virginia. Just not many of them making a big impact or sticking around. Yeah. The Wickstrom one and the Favoris one are the ones that stand out to me because they, those are guys that just popped against who they were with but also wasn't favors a guy who ran the blistering 40 and and Vic came over and said hey who the heck is that yeah and then that's how you end up getting a scholarship is show off so yeah camps are important there too um all camp team is a great idea chris um i used to do that when you were allowed to talk to players at spring camp and assistant coaches at spring camp because they're all chatty and then the, the deeper they get into spring camp you can ask them questions like hey who's had a good camp who was like i'm holding my hand down my ankle here who was there when it started but is up here now now I'm up at my chin. So who's gone from ankle to chin or who's gone from chin to way above your head? Um, and you get like, okay, who's done the most to help himself in camp? And similar concept, but now that you're not allowed to talk to players that you want to and you don't get any one-on-one time that unfortunately has gone by the wayside, which leads me to this. It'd be cool to know what the access is going to be and if they're going to increase it and make it more friendly for people because as we mentioned, that's um, I don't know, that, that's that's a big part of the spring is letting people know this team because it just sense like the excitement isn't there near the level it's been in the past and we understand why but you can you can wait till the fall to do that or you can get a head start in the spring and if the head start of the spring is one of the benefits for the fall when it comes to the construction and the advancement of the team eh, maybe the same is true of awareness and publicity as well too we'll figure that out uh, that's a rant we don't need to recycle um, yeah anything I know, else i know two tweeting? things i know two right. things mike one i'm not tweeting about the media access for spring no i won't do it this time uh two there's something else we did, and I can't remember if we did it in the fall or the spring, but you mentioned something about a draft where you and I drafted our team, like of like, what do we pick, like 30 players? Like we had yes. a full starters. Um, I mean, I know my team was light years better than yours, but are we going to do that again? Uh, if yours was light years better than mine, yeah, you're darn right we are. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember who I had because I think maybe – See, I think the problem is, I think maybe I had like the, the maybe I had the first pick and got JT Daniels, or no, you had JT Daniels, and then I didn't bother picking a quarterback till like the fourteenth round because I was like, who cares now? Yeah. You know, give me Nico or give me Garrett. So again, I have, no <laughs> I have no recollection of my low moments. I have no recollection of my low moments. 
Well, let's just say this. I think at the time, I and many people on the board thought my team was better. That does not mean it ended up better, as as I think we all know from how the season went. This was when I abruptly broke off contract extension talks, too. <laughs> just backed away from the table and said, I can't be a part of this. <laughs> I'm out. It had a happy ending, though. Yeah. As is the story for this podcast here. Plenty coming up. Basketball game. Yeah. Listen, a Saturday, Monday, Kansas, Iowa State. I, I don't, I think Iowa State's very fertile for a win right now. Um, I know it's Hilton, but that team has not looked right for a while. I'm not sure what Caleb Grill is up to, but that is, that's one you can definitely steal. Like the, the schedule does not open up and give you opportunities. That's not going to be easy. Don't get me wrong. But man, if that team isn't fired up and ready to go for that game, that's the way they lost to last year and what Iowa State has looked like lately. There's a chance to steal a quad one win, a top 25 win, a, a, a punctuation mark on the bubble conversation. If they come out and they lay an egg in that game, I don't care what happens Saturday. Then you, you probably have some serious questions about this team, right? Yeah, I think if the, if those two games were switched, Iowa State Saturday, Kansas Monday, I'd feel a lot better. I'd feel very good about West Virginia's chances against Iowa State. Um, just wonder if that's going to be another schedule loss. But I'm with you. Like if you if you get blown out in both of them or look bad in both of them, that that's comes back to how how many. How many of these committee members are truly watching these games and using the eye test to, you know, uh, split hairs between these final few teams into the tournament? The problem, I think, for West Virginia is that Iowa State plays host to Oklahoma Saturday. That's that's about the surest thing as a W right now as it goes in this conference. Like I, Oklahoma's not has been very good, and their coach is starting to perk up a little bit about how disappointing he is and everybody and everything. So. It could be a get right game for Iowa State, and that's that's a team you do not want to have momentum coming in. So again, you play the teams, you play the schedule. Um, there's a big difference going home against Oklahoma to home against West Virginia versus at Kansas and at Iowa State too. So we'll see. But you're in this position for multiple reasons, and one of them is that um, you're in the Big Twelve. That's life. You're gonna have to deal with it and overcome it, and I guess give the 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 analyst and the committee, all the fodder you need for their conversations that are coming up. No more fodder from us. Conversation ended until next time. I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then. Hip hop takes the stand in the new documentary. As we speak, rap music on trial now streaming exclusively on Paramount plus rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.